Well, good morning again. So this morning we is our new member Sunday, and uh, man, I've been looking forward to this to this morning. We have the privilege of uh, welcoming in seven people into membership here at RBC, and we're going to be able to hear each person's testimony, and some will be entering the membership through baptism. But before we do that this morning, I felt it appropriate to once again ask the question, why do we put such a high value on church membership here at Reformed Baptist Church? And so this morning, what I want us to do is I'd like us to look at the call, the biblical call to membership. And as we do this together, my prayer is that Again, we're going to be able to behold the grandeur of all that God has accomplished through his son, by his spirit, in creating church membership. And what we're going to find as we look into his word uh, is that the Bible describes church membership as a spiritually united, functionally diverse, mutually interdependent body of believers in Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll give you a chance to get there, and we're going to be reading verses 12 through 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing where where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to that part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. It is truth. It is infallible, and it is inspired by the creator of all that we see. And so, Lord, we trust in your word. Uh, Father, we ask that even now you might illumine our, our, our minds to be able to understand your word and rightly apply it. We thank you again for the, the privilege and joy that we've already had to sing the truths of the gospel, that it is because of your, uh, your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness that 
anyone is saved. Lord, we are dependent and continue to be dependent upon your mercy, and yet it is for the praise of your glorious grace. And so may this service, may the testimonies, the baptisms, even the preaching of your word be for the praise of your glory. Put your goodness, your greatness, your faithfulness on display as we look into your word this morning. In Christ's name, amen. If you were to flip through the pages of the New Testament, you would find several images, uh, several descriptions of what the church is. So we see it's called the household of God. It's called the bride of Christ. The church is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. But do you know what the most prominent image for the church is, particularly in Paul's writing? It's actually the body of Christ. That's, that's the description, that's the image that we see most often. We see it in 1 Corinthians 12, this morning's scripture uh, that, that Mike Trexler read for, Romans 12. We see it in Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, Colossians 1. We see it in Hebrews 13. And all of these passages talk about the body of Christ with their different emphasis, their different focus, and what it means to now be a member of that body. And so in our short time this morning, I want to look at three biblical truths. I want us to look at these truths and understand uh, the, the doctrine of church membership, particularly here from 1 Corinthians 12. So first, truth. Church membership is in the Bible. Okay, I want us to hear that. Church membership is in the Bible. We oftentimes hear arguments that say the idea of church membership is in the Bible, but you don't really see it explicitly taught. And I'm here to tell you that that's not what 1 Corinthians would say, and it's not what Romans 12 would say. The very word member is in the Bible. Church membership is God's idea. Okay, church membership is in the Bible, but I want us to understand what is meant by membership. Because the church is not just a formal organizational membership where your name gets put on a list and now we have your contact information as if it's a country club or something. That's not the biblical vision for church membership. The biblical vision for church membership is about connecting other Christians in the same way that your arm is connected to your body. It's identifying one another so that when one member suffers, we all experience it. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice. So the biblical vision for church membership is about relationship and mutual fellowship in the gospel. That's what being members of one another is talking about. And you can't help but see membership clearly taught here in the Bible. It, it is all over, the, all over the place. It's all over the New Testament. Secondly, church membership is the default status of every Christian. And so Paul gives us, in verse 12, this illustration of the body, and he says that there are many members that constitute one body, one body of Christ. And so how is it that a multiplicity of members now com uh, uh, compose one body of Christ? Well, he explains it in verse 13. He says, you are baptized through the Spirit, spiritual baptism. 
In one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, it doesn't matter your ethnicity or your status. If you're a Christian, you have been baptized into the body of Christ. And so when Paul talks about spiritual baptism, it's important to note he's not talking about a post-conversion, secondary type of blessing or experience. In Paul's mind, spiritual baptism is, is the milestone. It's the beginning of the Christian life. And so you think about Galatians 3, where Paul's defending the doctrine of salvation by faith alone. And he asked the Galatians, did you receive the Spirit by the works of law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So you hear it there. Have you, having begun by the Spirit, it's the beginning of the Christian life. You can't become a Christian without the spiritual baptism. It's the Spirit that does the work. And we're going to have a visible reminder, a visible display as we witness baptism through water this morning. So when Paul speaks about spiritual baptism, he's talking about becoming a Christian, becoming a believer. If you are a Christian, you've been baptized into the body of Christ, by the Spirit of Christ. Every Christian is made a member of Christ's church at the moment of their conversion. So church membership is a biblical reality that is born out of the spiritual union between Christ and his followers. If the Spirit has united you to Christ, then you have now been united to the body of Christ, the church. What you believe about Christ and about the way he saves people in large part will determine what you believe about church membership. In other words, let me prove it to you. Do you think Jesus only saved a group of people? He was just concerned with saving a bunch of individuals. If you think he's merely saving a bunch of individuals, then there's really no point to biblical church membership, right? If it's just me and Jesus type of a religion, there's really no point in church membership. But if in saving those individuals, he's redeeming them and uniting them and, and, and bringing them together, those individuals, into a people over which now he is the head if he's saving sheep, he's bringing them into a flock, into one flock over which he is now the shepherd, then church membership is assumed. And so we highly value church membership at RBC, not because we want to have a long list of members that shows our numerical growth. There's, there's no reward in heaven for having a huge, long list of members, we value church membership because we love Jesus and because Jesus loves his church so much that he has now made church member a, a, the default status of every one of his followers. So we see church membership, the language is in the Bible, it's the default status of every Christian. And then thirdly, church membership is rooted in spiritual unity. Church membership is rooted in spiritual unity. The fact that you and I have been baptized into the same spirit, we've been united to the same Christ, that we share a, a common faith with one another, all of that means that there is an objective reality that now exists between you and me. 
It's, it's beautiful. Unity is the fundamental reality shared between all Christians. It, it means that you and I have a deeper and truer unity with a first century believer than we do with our unbelieving neighbor that lives next door to us, that eats the same thing and talks the same way and acts just like us. Spiritual unity is more foundational than all the differences that we have with unbelievers. Spiritual unity is more foundational than all of the commonalities that we share with unbelievers. That's the nature of our spiritual unity that we now share as members of the body of Christ. Now, at this point... Many of you are probably thinking, well, Josh, you've been talking about membership in the universal church. And yes, you would be right. Paul says we were all baptized into one spirit, into one body. He's speaking to the church. That's the universal church. It's the group group of all the redeemed people uh, that's composed of Christians from all places at all times, all throughout History. Yes, that's exactly what we've been talking about. And so it begs the question, then why does RBC value local membership so much? Why do I have to join a local church? Isn't it enough for me that I'm a member of the universal church? And I'm here to say no. No, it's not. Because membership in the local church is how you express your membership in the universal church. It's how you enjoy all the benefits uh, that, that come with being in the body of Christ. When you join a local church, it means you are, you, there's a specific group of people that you are now serving and being served by. There's a specific group of people that are holding you accountable and you are holding accountable There's a specific group of people who receive the benefit of my spiritual gifts and vice versa. There's a specific group of pastors that I submit to and who care for me and will give an account for my soul. None of that is is useful or available to you in a meaningful way if you're not committed to a local expression of the body of Christ. Membership in a local church is the special provision made by Jesus for for worship and for fellowship and for instruction and for discipline and for service and for so much more. It's why we highly value local membership so much. It's it's how you express your membership in the local church, and it's in how you, you enjoy all the benefits of being part of the body. So church membership is in the Bible. It's the default status of every Christian. It's rooted in spiritual unity. So church membership is centered, as Paul says, uh, from being united to Jesus. The, the local church, the body of Christ, is a, it's a supernatural institution because the spirit of Christ flows through the veins of this body and it gives life and cohesion and it draws every part together to be unified into one marvelous group that's called one body. So brothers and sisters, let's pursue this biblical reality, shall we? Now, I'd like to give the rest of our time to hearing the testimonies of our new members, and then we're going to baptize some of them. Who are-